evidence and answers. Is America in Bible prophecy? This is one of the most asked questions whenever we address the issue of end times prophecy. Do we know God's plan for the end of the age? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers radio broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. At the Evidence and Answers 2020 End Times Conference, Pat answered these questions and explained the possible future and connection of America in Bible prophecy. Now with part two of Message 4 in this series is our host, Pat Zucran. And one of the things that causes them to collapse is moral decay, which I'll talk about later. But also, they divide up into tribes, and we end up getting tribal warfare. All right. And as a nation turns away from God, then they turn away from the universal moral law of God. And our founding fathers warned us of this in their writings and in their final speeches. One of the most famous is George Washington. He said, a democracy cannot stand unless you have a morally good and virtuous people who abide by a universal moral law. And you cannot have an absolute, authoritative, universal moral law without a moral lawgiver. And he said a democracy cannot stand without morality. And you cannot have a universal moral law without religion there. Right? So he said those two pillars, morality and religion, are necessary for a democracy to last. Right? And when he said religion there, you know, he's referring to Christianity. Right? So when we no longer acknowledge a universal moral law of God, how do we determine right and wrong? Well, it comes down to might makes right kind of ethical system. And therefore, the one with the greatest influence, the one with the loudest voice, the one that can exert its power or its will over the others and dominate is the one that's going to rule. And when we don't have a universal moral law by which we all agree to, it just comes down to tribal warfare. And that can split and divide a country. And you see the tension going on in the United States. I've heard people even saying, you know, no matter who wins this election, we might end up in some kind of civil unrest. So this is a likely scenario that some kind of civil war divides America and we end up dropping our superpower status. Another one is some kind of nuclear 9-11. You know, we saw the devastating effect terrorist attack like 9-11 can have. But just imagine, with the kind of weapons that are out there now, if some kind of nuclear strike would hit the United States, it would be a devastating blow to our country here. We know rogue nations like Iran and other terrorist groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda and the Wahhabi and others have the capability, perhaps, we're doing the best we can to prevent this, but may have the capability of delivering some kind of nuclear device, a dirty bomb, we call it, in the United States. And if some kind of dirty bomb would be able to get in here and be detonated, it have a devastating effect on our country. Also, there's the threat of chemical weapons or WMDs, right? If one of them would go off in the United States on a Uh, in a major city or major cities on a big scale, that would have a very devastating effect on our country or some kind of EMP, electrical magnetic impulse kind of bomb that would completely knock out 
our electrical system. We know how dependent we are now on our electrical devices, but imagine a U.S. with no electrical grid that is functioning. I mean, we'd be back, you know, in colonial times and we would fall from our status as superpower here. You can see on this chart, here's a possible scenario of an EMP going off 30 miles above the center of the United States. It would have that impact in the red circle. If it was dropped from 120 miles up, it would have this kind of impact, almost the entire nation. 300 miles above the surface, it would affect the entire nation of the United States. So an EMP could also be devastating. Or as many of us in Hawaii are familiar with, perhaps some kind of nuclear strike. You know, the panic that occurred a couple years ago when we all got the warm, we all got waking up. You know, I think it was eight in the morning when sirens went off saying North Korea has launched a nuclear missile here on the state of Hawaii. Many of us remember that. And uh, if it hit Hawaii, Hawaii be gone. You know, it only takes one nuclear missile to pretty much wipe us out here. But perhaps some kind of, we get some kind of nuclear exchange. That would have a devastating effect on the United States, and she would drop from her superpower status. Perhaps another one is a financial crisis of some sort. You can see with uh, the COVID-19 crisis here and the PPP program, the government is just mass printing money right now that really have no backing. And you, you just can't keep doing that. Eventually, it devalues the currency and it really has no value. You just can't keep printing money. And the U.S. is in debt to other nations in the trillions of dollars. That's not only an economic danger, but a strategic danger as well, that we'd be in debt to many nations around the world. Proverbs 22.7 says, The borrower is slave to the lender. And could it be that the debt causes some kind of economic collapse in the United States and the United States then drops from her superpower status? Then a fourth scenario could be that perhaps there is some kind of great natural disaster. We see a lot of movies, this recent one here starring The Rock, the San Andreas, some kind of massive earthquake, maybe even something like a, a meteor or asteroid hitting the United States or some kind of great natural disaster. That would be devastating to the United States. If indeed something like San Andreas, that scenario like that came true, you're talking about losing a the west coast of the United States, that would just be absolutely devastating for the United States. Perhaps it's some kind of natural disaster that strikes the United States. Then we have a fifth scenario. It's the rapture. Now, none of these are good news, are they? But, you know, the rapture kind of is, right? And, and the rapture would be that if Christ were to return for his church, right, he could return at any minute then all believers in Christ would be taken out of the world suddenly. And if estimates are true, anywhere from 10 to 30% of the United States are born-again believers in Christ, all right? So let's go with the low end, 10%. I mean, you're talking millions, right? Millions of, you know, 70 million 
Americans suddenly gone, 10% of the population. And you're talking many of our key leaders in government, in the military, uh, in the security forces of our nation, business leaders, political leaders, leaders in academia, leaders in the church. I mean, it's suddenly all gone with a massive exodus of people like that, 10% of the population, the U.S., you could see is a very likely scenario there would drop from her superpower status. The one that I think is highly likely and perhaps maybe the, one of the scariest because the reality of it is nearly upon us. There's so many danger signals that we're going down this path is that America collapses from within from moral decline as a result of the decline in morality the United States ends up committing her own suicide here. Malcolm Muggeridge stated this in his writing, The End of Christendom. He said this, that empires rise and empires fall. All right, that's just the way they go. And history shows us the average empire lasts about 200 years. And some like Great Britain go beyond 200 years. But 200 years is about the length time that an empire remains in power. And the United States, we've come across right about 225 years. So we're right at that stage. But Malcolm Muggeridge says, says this, he says, I conclude that civilizations like every other human creation wax and wane. By the nature of the case, there can never be a lasting civilization any more than there can be a lasting spring or lasting happiness in an individual life or a lasting stability in, in a society. It's in the nature of man and all that he constructs to perish, and it must ever be so. The world is full of the debris of past civilizations and others are known to have existed, which have not left any debris behind them, but have just disappeared. And that's how empires and civilizations go. They rise and they fall. Now, Romans chapter 1 gives us a summary of how nations rise and how nations fall. And when you read books on histories, on the rise and fall of empires, they basically follow the footsteps given to us there in Romans chapter one here. Now, it begins, Romans chapter one, a nation begins its decline when they turn away from God. It says, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because he has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. So we see that the beginning of the decline of a nation begins when they reject and turn away from God. Right? And as history shows, Great empires are not conquered. They collapse from within first. And usually they turn away from the moral law of God. And that begins their decline. And here the Bible, in Romans chapter 1, it, the decline of a nation begins with the rejection and the turning away from God. Then step two is the embracing of false ideas and idolatry. Paul writes here, 
For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. So when we turn away from God, who is the source of truth, God is the very source of truth. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? God is the source of truth. When you turn away from God, who is the source of truth, then you easily and quickly embrace false ideas here. And of course, false ideas are destructive to any nation or civilization. And we quickly embrace false ideas. And Bible says here, thinking we became, claiming to be wise, we became fools. The Greek word there for fools is moreno. Sound familiar? That's where moron comes from. Thinking we're wise, we became morons. And we embrace false ideas. And we uh, have embraced some very dangerous false ideas today that is just tearing down the foundations of our nation. Relativism of truth. The belief that there are no absolute truths, that all is relative. Truth is created by each individual person, and no one can know or claim to have the truth, right? So Christians who claim that truth is found is in God's word, it's universal, it's absolute, then are arrogant. Nobody can make that kind of claim. That leads to moral relativism. There's no right and wrong. All belief systems and lifestyles and values are equally valid and true. No one has the right to judge anyone else. That leads to the new tolerance, right? All beliefs, lifestyles, values are equally valid and true. We should tolerate and welcome all beliefs, values, and lives. And no one should judge. We should, quote, tolerate them all. It's a new, very dangerous definition of tolerance. You can hear more about it on our website there at Evidence and Answers. But many false ideas like this any civilization or nation that embraces these kinds of false ideas really is drinking her own poison to her own destruction. And what's even more disturbing is that evangelicals and many Christians are embracing false ideas and turning from biblical truth. You see the surveys and you can hear my message on them at Evidence and Answers that the vast majority of Christians now believe that truth is relative and not absolute. That the majority of many Christians in key denominations believe that morality is relative. That many Christians believe that all religions are equally valid and true ways to God. Religious pluralism. We have denominations ordaining and promoting the gay lifestyle and gay ministers and on and on, uh, the flourishing of false gospels like the prosperity gospel, uh, the Jesus seminar, and the rejection of the deity, death, and resurrection of Christ is growing at a phenomenal rate in God's church, who is supposed to be the guardian and defender of his truth. Stage three then leads to immorality. It says here, therefore God gave them up in lusts of their hearts to impurity and dishonoring of their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator 
For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passions with one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving themselves the due penalty for their error. And so the embracing of false ideas leads to immorality. We see that in America, we have murdered 61 million children in legalized abortion. Uh, the U.S. leads the world in exporting pornography and gambling around the world. Out-of-wedlock births are now, 40% of births are now out-of-wedlock births. And a lot of those children, often without a strong parental figures in their life, end up on welfare. And who pays for all of that? Has a tremendous economic toll on a nation. And the sexual immorality here is highlighted by Paul. Specifically, he mentions here the sin of homosexuality. So it appears that, you know, when a civilization openly lives in sexual perversion, it has disintegrated to its low point. And here in the United States, right, we have legalized and normalized same-sex marriage. We have redefined the definition of marriage. Marriage is not an institution created by man. It's the oldest institution created by God, the bedrock foundation of every culture and civilization. No civilization has ever survived that has redefined the definition of marriage. And finally, verses 28 to 32, it says, God gave them over. God gave them over to their sin there. And the word gave over means that God then let go and kind of nudge them, push them in the direction that they already want to go. So he just gives them over and he abandons that nation. And eventually that leads to their destruction. There's the wrath of God experienced in his judgment, but also in his abandonment when he lets people suffer the consequences of their sin. So when you see these signs outlined in Romans chapter 1, those are not future warnings of God's judgment or his coming judgment. That's God is judging us, giving us over to our immoral passions. We see that we are going in the wrong direction. And unless we correct ourselves, perhaps that scenario where America morally collapses from within is a very real scenario for us. You know, Billy Graham made a statement years ago before he passed away that has really stuck with me. And he said this, some years ago, my wife Ruth was reading the draft of a book I was writing. When she finished a section describing the terrible downward spiral of our nation's moral standards and the idolatry of worshiping false gods such as technology, sex, and sex, she startled me by exclaiming, if God doesn't punish America, he'll have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah. And we remember Billy Graham. He was a very gracious, very optimistic kind of guy. And for him to say something like that, should have been a wake-up call to all of the United States. Is there hope for America in this time as we await Christ's return? Yes. See, ultimately, the problem is spiritual. And what is required is a spiritual revival for people to return back to God. And America is unique in that we've had two great awakenings. Could we be in for a third? Why not? Billy Graham said this before he passed away. He said, my heart aches for America 
and it's deceived people. The wonderful news is that our Lord is a God of mercy, and He responds to repentance. In Jonah's day, Nineveh was the lone world superpower, wealthy, unconcerned, and self-centered. When the prophet Jonah finally traveled to Nineveh and proclaimed God's warning, people heard and repented. I believe the same thing can happen once again, this time in our nation. Perhaps there can be a third awakening before the return of Christ. Well, what do we do in the meantime as we await the return of Christ? Well, here's several things I believe that Christians and churches need to do. Number one, you must uncompromisingly continue to proclaim the truth of God's Word, whether that makes you popular or even despised and hated. You've got to continue to proclaim the truth of God's Word, all right? And truth can set you free, as Jesus said, but truth can also convict, right? And Jesus was the most loving man in the world, but he preached truth. And they crucified him for it. And so uh, truth can have that effect when you preach it. It can set people free from the chains of sin and death, or it can convict, right? And it can bring a hostile response, even though you're proclaiming it in love. But you cannot back down. Church and Christians cannot compromise with the culture now. We need to stand and continue to proclaim powerfully and uncompromisingly God's truth. Second, you need to defend the truth. If you're going to stand there, you're going to take a lot of shots, and you need to be able to articulate and defend the message you are proclaiming. Apologetics, right? That's why we have organizations like Evidence and Answers doing the kind of things that we do today. Third, we need to live the truth. The church and Christians must fulfill They're called to live the life of discipleship, to die to self each day, take up the cross of Christ, and follow Christ with all our heart. We can't expect the unbelieving world to get right with God until we get our house in order first. All right? And so the church needs to get her house in order to be a shining light, an example to the lost world out there. You can't expect the lost world to lead the way in getting right with God. It begins with God's people here. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. The healing and forgiveness comes when the people get right with God, turn from sin and repent and turn towards him. And it's the people of God that need to lead the way on this. Fourth, since we're talking eschatology here, we need to continue to bless the nation of Israel. Genesis chapter 12, that promise is still for us today. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you. The reason America has been tremendously blessed is that we have been a blessing to the nation of Israel. And we have to continue to bless the nation of Israel. That doesn't mean we have to agree with every single thing they do. We can't tell them when what they're doing is wrong. But we need to continue to be a blessing to the nation of Israel for God's future plan is with the nation of Israel. And finally, we need to bless the nations. One of the reasons we've been so blessed is that We've been a sending nation for nearly 200 years. We've sent the most missionaries 
throughout the world, bringing the gospel to the world. And we need to continue to do that. Romans 10, 15 says, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. So we need to continue to bless the nations, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to all the world. The Bible says, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So although America is not in prophecy, perhaps she falls from her superpower status and joins maybe the alliance with the end times empire, that should not discourage us from living righteously and continually uh, preaching and living out God's word so that we may be a shining light all the way until our time comes and God calls us home. That's about America in prophecy. Now, you want more on that, you can go to our website here at evidenceandanswers.org where this message will be up there. Also, my interviews with Oz Guinness, Mark Hitchcock, who wrote on this topic, and many others there at Evidence and Answers. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website. Once again, that's evidenceandanswers.org. And you may do so right there online. You'll also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you. Everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share it with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. Hey, 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 hey.